Hello, and welcome once again to another edition of TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission, where we take an in-depth view of the artists chosen by God to use their gift to glorify Him, the stories behind their music, and of course, how the Lord has been with them in the process. We also examine the many issues surrounding music ministry, which is our agenda today. Our guests are a couple of familiar friends and brothers, Greg Thomas and Dorian Johnson, back with us as we take a look at Christian music, then and now, on Music with a Mission. This is Music with a Mission. I'm Derek Davis. Glad to have you back with us. Join me in welcoming back two good friends and brothers as we explore the topic, Christian music then and now. We have with us Dorian Johnson, who survived his podcast debut, <laughs> was a blessing, and has agreed to take part in conversation once again. How you doing, Dorian? I'm doing well. Good to be here, Derek. It's good to have you. And, of course... The director of music here at TSC, Greg Thomas, and the producer of this podcast, Riding Shotgun, once again. Hey, Greg. Hey, Derek. Bless your house. Uh, bless your house. Uh, bless your heart, too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll take both blessings. I'll tell you what. Uh, this is a topic that we've kind of tossed around just in discussion around here uh, in the music department, and we thought it would be a good idea to, to put it out there to share. Christian music then and now. Obviously, some major differences. What do you think those differences are? Well, I mean, I, I think just from a sort of practical <laughs> aspect of it, I mean, I, I think when you look back at sort of the whole history of, of music in itself, yeah. I mean, you have the development of <laughs> recordings and instruments and things like that, things that have definitely changed the nature of music making. Um, in general. Uh, but then I think when you start to look at even um, Christian music and what we talk about is the message, I mean, obviously the message shouldn't change. Uh, the message obviously is always the gospel uh, of Jesus Christ, but sometimes the, the methods and, and the ways that we go about doing that now are, are a little different. Well, let's talk about that. Let's talk about first the message which is Jesus Christ, how has that changed? I mean, I don't know. I, I wouldn't say that it has changed. I, I'm not going to say that the me- – I was actually meaning, meaning to say that the message should be the same. Okay. But the method um, – How has the method changed? Well, I think now people actually own songs, own tunes, things like that, whereas okay. when you look back at hymns, I mean, you could have many different hymns with the same tune. Um, I mean, one thing that comes to my mind is uh, um, back in the Christmas production, we did a song at the end called Come Thou Long Expected Jesus. Right. Um, But then I actually um, introduced a hymn with the same tune, uh, but with different lyrics um, called Jesus, What a Friend for Sinners. And so you see there that there 
people didn't have an ownership of a certain tune as they do now. If I tried to go out and take one of Greg's songs and put new lyrics so to it. I wouldn't take him to court. <laughs> I'd help him change the bridge. Yeah. <laughs> but but I, I do understand yeah. what you're saying. Yeah. Sure, sure. And I, and I think technology is obviously the key factor in, in, in that. Right. When, you know, back then, a writer could write a song, he'd be halfway around the world. No. And somebody on the other side of the world just ha- coincidentally happens to write the same tune. Mm-hmm. Um, they had no way of knowing that this same tune went with, you know, another song. There, mm-hmm. there was no way of knowing. There was no telegraph or, you know, no telephones or sure. internet or television mm-hmm. or what have you. So the medium for distributing music was totally not there mm-hmm. as we have it today. So what today you can go online and just almost look up a melody and sure and find that it already exists yeah. but you know what what's there's a scripture that comes to mind too while we're talking about that yeah. is that not, there's nothing new under the sun right, <laughs> right. Yeah. you know so even the stuff that we're we're writing and then we think it's totally original yeah. I, I, if we search long and hard enough somebody's already tapped you know into tapped that. into that sure. melody line or that sure. bridge or something so um you know so we do live in a, in a society now where ownership is is key you know so one of the things that seems to be a consensus among the guests that we've had on the show, including you guys, is that the, the older songs come from a deeper well. That is to say, the songwriter in many cases has kind of gone through a traumatic experience or God has moved in a miraculous mm-hmm. way in their life and they were led to express it in song. Do you think we've lost that in the contemporary melodies that we get today? The contemporary songs that we get today? Do we think we've lost that element, that criteria? I, I wouldn't say completely. Uh, I think when you study the hymns, you you find that the birth of a lot of the hymns were incidental. Mm -hmm, Exactly. Born out of something. Right. Where today, many of the songs that we sing are intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Right. You know. uh, So when you say intentional, what do you mean? Somebody just opens up opens up a psalm and just starts. Well, sometimes you know there'll there'll be a psalm that'll or a scripture that will speak to me. Yeah. And I'll I'll be sitting there reading. I'll say, man, that's a song. Okay. And as a musician or an artist, I'll go sit down and make a song out of it. Right. It, and there's nothing wrong with that. Sure. You know, that, okay. That's my artistic outlet. You know, mm-hmm. this that's that's the Lord speaking to me and saying, okay, let's let's put this, let's craft this in a way that it speaks to other people, in a way that you know that that reaches them, and that's right. usually through through song. So I don't think there's anything wrong with intentional writing. Uh, I think some of the best songs, however, are incidental. So you don't think that there's anything wrong with intentional writing? No. So if I got myself a rhyming dictionary and uh, a couple of scriptures and kind of threw something together, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that? No, I don't think so. Okay. I think as long as the message is there, and, and we've got to go back to the content, as long as the message is there, I still believe the Lord will use it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Whether you get blessed by it. <laughs> <laughs> right. right. I mean, and I think that also goes goes to another point, which we're not going to talk about today, I know, but, I mean, the music industry, I mean, okay. and, and some artists are actually required by exactly. a contract yeah. to produce a CD every three to five years, yeah. and so they have to sit down and, and get some good music yeah. to put yeah. out there. Because um, they've already got the advance. Right. <laughs> <laughs> they have somebody else's money already. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> artists that do that, do you think they're effective? I mean, do you think they're really coming from a pure place? I, I think there are many of them. You know, I, I look, I met, you know, I was with Paul Balash about two years ago up in Buffalo. And um, 
granted, he's under contract, no question about it. And the, the label is expecting him to produce X amount of projects or X amount of songs over a period of time. Right. You know, he's a large enough artist where uh, he has a lot more negotiating power than the average uh, Christian artist. But nonetheless, he's still subject to meeting the requirements of this contract. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think because he has so immersed himself in his relationship with God, that he can look at that contract and say, well, that's just my moral obligation. I signed a contract and I have a moral obligation to complete, to fulfill it. Mm-hmm. From a spiritual aspect, I have a spiritual obligation to the Lord and the people that I minister to to go even deeper than this contract. And that is to be in the, in the Word of God mm-hmm. and then producing material because that's what, I'm, what's, that's, that's what I am. All right? yeah. It's the same thing as, as a preacher who, is, who has a spiritual obligation, obviously, to, to the Lord and then to the church, to people that he shepherds. Um, um, and and then he may have a full time job, mm-hmm. you know, Monday through Friday. He's mm-hmm. got a moral obligation there. Doesn't make him less of a preacher or less of a pastor in that sense. I get it. Um, mm-hmm. So there's a moral responsibility. But I think uh, you know people like Paul and many others who have a really deep walk with God. I think so. Before doing the podcast, I thought about uh, a conversation that you and I were having when when we talked, and you were telling me a story. Uh, you were in a choir rehearsal, trying to do an arrangement on an old familiar hymn. Oh, yeah. And you were, you were explaining to me that it just wasn't working for some yeah. reason. Yeah. Tell me about that. Should we try to change the hymns? Should we try to wow. make new arrangements? I mean, <laughs> I mean, if it if it ain't broke, don't, don't fix, fix it, it, right? Exactly. Well, I, I, I wasn't personally trying to, to change it. Dorian was at that rehearsal. Yeah, there was an arrangement of "I Am Thine, O Lord," right? That, that was we the were asked okay. to okay. teach the choir for for a particular service. Yeah, and um, and a good arrangement in that the content was the still. content was there, mm-hmm. but it was crafted intentionally, I think, and crafted to try and reach a specific group of people, and that was a, a younger crowd. Okay. Uh, and I just believe that that is the reason it did not work because mm. th- you know our youth choir, our young young adult choir, knew the hymn, and they were fine with the hymn. Okay, and it's my favorite hymn. I, I right, love right, right. that song. It's just <laughs> right. one of those. You know, if there was a hymn, that hymn and At the Cross are two of my favorite hymns. And um, and I think you, Dory, was trying to teach it, and we were trying to pluck through it, and uh, it just wasn't working. I was watching the choir, and it's like they're getting more and more frustrated with just trying to learn because the original was stuck in their head one and the, and the original just worked you know there's just some things that work uh, I, I can't explain it you know it's like the gospel it just works <laughs> so having said that should you we know, even tamper with the old hymns I, I think there's some that don't need to be tampered with right right i mean obviously i mean our our ideas of melodies and, and harmonies and things like that have changed absolutely and there's definitely um sort of a movement out there to reintroduce the hymns because like i said the content of them the 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 theology that's in them is sound the message is is sound i mean and so it it moves beyond that to well how does it how is it going to translate tune wise Mm -hmm. and and i think in bridging that gap between christian music then and now um we're not (laughs) we're not as adept as Mm. as we used to be in terms of um, knowing traditional melodies and yeah, things like yeah. that. I mean, uh, uh, some of it is actually cultural. I mean, a lot of hymns that um, that I've 
looked up and researched, they were written in England. I mean, and so mm-hmm. their idea of folk music and, and their tie to that type of music doesn't necessarily translate um, translate here. I mean, I one of the more profound <clears throat> moments for me on a missions trip was in Scotland um, when when the, when the Scottish had their turn to sing to us. Mm-hmm. I mean, the choir had been yeah. ministering, and they sang, um, well, they sang, one, especially the Lord is my shepherd from oh, Psalm 23. Right, right. Now, I don't think we at Tanskirk Church would ever be able to pull that off. Mm. But because many of them had grown up in that culture and that song was part of their culture, it, I mean, if you could hear the sound that came from that hall. Um, that was amazing. It, it was amazing. It came I mean, from a deeper well. It came from a deeper well, and mm-hmm. it was because... They had a connection. I mean, and, and for some, it wasn't even necessarily a spiritual connection because they had learned it when right, they were growing up. Right. But imagine for those that it did have Absolutely. a spiritual connection for, it yeah. was even more profound. Yeah. Uh, because here, I mean, here we were as Americans sort of giving them our gospel. Yeah. And then as a gift to us, they gave back to us what came from their own their own tradition and their own, uh, their own background. And so. the flip side of the coin is that there are arrangements on hymns that work. Mm-hmm. Which ones? Well, I mean, Amazing Grace has been done. I mean, it's a, a zillion standard times, a zillion yeah. times. Right. It's a hymn that was written back in the 18th century. By a former racist, I understand. By a former racist. He was a captain of a slave ship, actually. Um, delivered. Delivered. Praise Amazing God. Grace. Amazing <laughs> Grace. Um, I, I mean, how do you, I, I mean, you can't get more transparent and more real exactly. than that, yeah. you know. Exactly. Yeah. But he had an encounter with God, and, and as a result of that, was able to write that hymn. And mm-hmm. so we sing it traditionally, but then in our praise and worship services, we also have an alternative arrangement with alternative lyrics that was written by Chris Tomlin, I believe. So um, I think in those, in that respect, there's one that, the content is still there. Absolutely. The arrangement has just changed a little bit. Yeah, and I think his arrangement was 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 not intended intended to to reach a particular crowd mm-hmm. necessarily. Mm-hmm. Cuz I think we can we can underestimate this generation's ability to appreciate a hymn. We've done that. Uh well, we saw that on a Wednesday night rehearsal. <laughs> right. You know, we underestimate their ability their ability to to appreciate this style, the musical style and the, and and then to have musical diversity um and so we start putting our hands to re like you're saying fixing something that's not broken and uh don't want to be guilty of that yeah it it's funny for me though because i since i work primarily with the youth choir they all often joke with me because often when i lead worship i will incorporate <laughs> many hymns as part of that um and I think I sort of come at this from an opposite angle because, uh, than Greg may as a musician just because I, for me, it wasn't something that I intentionally do. But then as I began to look at older songs and, and things like that, I think I'd mentioned to you before that it's part of our sort of our duty as one generation to the next to pass on a part of our heritage as, as Christians. And part of that heritage uh, is found in the in the traditional hymns that can be then passed on to, to future generations as well. Well, let's talk about generation to generation after we take a listen to Amazing Grace then and now on Music with a Mission.
Music Music Radio's music with a mission, Amazing Grace, then, done by Vicki Griffin from the CD Live Worship 3, and the now version written by Chris Tomlin. Both anointed, both great, both ministering songs. Good stuff. Love it. Yeah, good stuff. We were talking about generation to generation, and I, I was thinking while the songs were playing, wouldn't it be wise of contemporary artists to pull from the wealth of wisdom of the older artists? If they were alive, yeah. <laughs> well, <laughs> well <laughs> kind of hard. The ones that are still kicking. I mean, the ones that are still kicking. I mean, you know, <laughs> you're a funny guy. Um, no, no, definitely. Or, or even the method of some of the artists of old. Yeah. I, I think one of the one of the things that I'm finding rich about the hymns is that somebody somebody uh chronicled the story. Okay. And today a lot of writers and I'm just learning to do this myself, a lot of writers don't write why they're writing when they're writing. Mm-hmm. What what was God speaking to you when you wrote that line? Mm. Even if even if it's just the first line of the song, mm-hmm. what what were you dealing with when you got that one line, and how did that song progress? I, I'm not a journal writer. My my wife is like a journal person. She does journals and this whole thing, mm-hmm. uh, and I've never been into that. But I'm finding more joy in in journaling when I'm writing now than than ever before. Really? And oh do yeah. You, do you ever refer to that for songs? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I have one in my bag that, that 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 goes with me, you know, with me wherever I am. It's with me all the time, and nice. a recorder. Nice. And sometimes I'm sitting in the car and I just saw something on the street mm-hmm. that I, that that just triggered a thought or a scripture, and before you know it, a melody came. Sure. And I'll just record that, and I haven't revisited many of them recently. To be honest with you, just the other day I transferred them all to my computer because that's, that's my intention after Easter, of course. To, but, <laughs> to, after this to, period, yeah. Of but uh, that's a nice formula, though, yeah. for songwriting. Absolutely. And it's interesting that you say that, Greg, because um, sort of in preparing for this podcast, I was thinking of uh, some songs, and one of the ones we had even thought about or, or talked about was Because He Lives. Oh. And that's a song that I really like, but I never understood the second verse of that song, mm. um, where it talks about how sweet to hold a newborn baby. Newborn baby and, okay. and, and I'm like, you had <laughs> the right. first verse, and you have the third verse, but where... 
How does this? And and if you go and research it, Gloria Gaither says that this was written in the 60s. This song was written in the 60s. Uh-huh. And she had found out she was pregnant. And with uh-huh. all that was going on in the world, she was thinking to herself, what a horrible time to have a child. Wow. And so that inspiration came to her to write that song because he lives i can face tomorrow so that was because that, that whole lives, second verse was a that, personal experience it's a personal experience it's yeah. about her son mm-hmm. that was born <laughs> right around that time and so it it is interesting and i think even uh just if if you are a student of history it's a great thing to be able to go and look back at some of some of the writers of these hymns and, and figure out why did they write this or because I tell you I never understood that second verse to that song <laughs> until I read the story behind it. Right, then it, right, right. Then it was where, like, where we just go right, right, right. I mean, fireworks went off. Like, yeah. oh, okay, yeah. that's where it's from. Because he lives. Because he lives. Is there a contemporary version to that? Because he lives. Yeah, I figured you'd know. Well, because <laughs> I have one. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I I haven't recorded. I, I haven't live recorded them, but it's like twenty two years old. Right, so, right. but I, I think we should listen to it just because. Sure. Yeah. Well, let's do that because he lives then and now on music with a mission.
Music with a mission, and because he lives then and now. But Jesse made a good point. While we, I mean, come on. If it was 22 years ago, it's later then than now or what? We were just a little bit ahead of uh, our day. Let's still, put it that con- way. still kind of contemporary, though. I, I, I like yeah, it. Yeah, well, that's a, a four-track recording. It's live at, at the Bible Way Church. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, I see. Okay. And we were in high school, man. So right, 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 right. Interesting. Um, we were also talking about the authors of that song were actually Bill and Gloria Gaither. Mm-hmm. And it's not really that old. Right. No. I mean, how I, old is that? What was the year of that? 76? 67? Yeah, that's interesting. We A lot of the songs that we consider uh, classic hymns yeah. did and not necessarily come from like the 17, 1800s. Exactly. I mean, you know. Andre Crouch. Um, what, what's the, the, the oh, blood, blood will never lose its power. See, that song, you know, everybody knows everybody that song. Knows and it. you feel like that's a song that's been around for... Yeah. And we're and he's still writing today, and, and he's we're still, still living. and we're still still singing his songs. Today. Yeah, yeah, yeah. James Cleveland redeemed. Wow, see, you're bringing it back. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> don't There's get a me song in my heart that the angels can't sing. Redeemed. Yeah, you know that's it's, a that's an old Pentecostal hand clap right there. Sure, but it's sure, in the hymnal. Sure. <laughs> what element do you think would make music now as impactful as music then? That seems to be the big. I don't want to say argument, but a lot of people say that. You know, it's, mm. yeah, the new stuff just doesn't hit me the same way. Yeah. Uh, well, I think the first And I mentioned the fact that, you know, a lot of the older songs were written from a place of traumatic experience. We mentioned the whole second verse of the song that we, we were talking about, because he, because he Lives. Is that the formula? Do, do we have to have some type of traumatic experience? No, I, I think... I, I I do believe some great stuff comes out of personal experiences, though. Right. The, the best stuff. I, I so would what's the formula say. for making the stuff now as impactful as then? Well, I think we have to first determine what our goal is, and you know who are you know who is it, who is it that we're trying to reach and why. Mm-hmm. And I think uh, you know for the Christian, it's got to be the the, un, the you know the non-believer, mm-hmm. and it's got to be the Christian as well because we also want to edify the body. Mm-hmm. So it's got to be that those two groups of people, the unbeliever. And the believer, so that we can edify. Um, and so, the only element that I know works and must be a part of that song is the Word of God. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so, I think content, content, content. It, it's got to be laced and lined with the Word. Uh, and now, it's hard to write songs that are scripture verbatim. That's why I say laced and lined. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> you know, uh, because, you know, we just don't have the same language that we used then. Um, but laced in line with the Word of God. And so the Word of Truth has to be uh, the, the first ingredient. Why don't we hear songs about the blood of Jesus anymore? That's a good question. Uh, I think songs like the blood of Jesus. I mean, we rarely hear songs yeah. about the blood of Jesus. They're not the best evangelistic songs. Okay. Why <laughs> I not? Mean, well, because... For unbelie- for a non-believer, for one who doesn't, who's never experienced Christ and doesn't know the the, the totality of what Jesus did, mm-hmm. to start talking to them about blood, okay, you know, and and things of that, they they can't really grasp that. That makes sense. That actually you know, makes sense. Got to be relevant that. at yeah. the same time. Yeah, I understand that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it it will edify the body. Sure. You yeah, know. Sure. So that's the other crowd that we're trying to reach when we're ministering. So, um, so. 
But we hear songs about the blood. We we sing them all last night. Sing a few contemporary of them. songs. Yeah, well, they're hymns, but uh, well, that's what I'm saying. Contemporary. Oh, you mean songs. contemporary? Yeah. Why why, why don't yeah. we hear contemporary songs about gotta, the blood of I Jesus? I gotta imagine that they're out there. No, they're probably they just not the style I that yeah, we're so used to. I haven't heard a lot. Yeah. I haven't heard a lot. Well, you don't listen to a lot of bluegrass either, so. No, I don't. <laughs> I got to I got to expand my iPod. <laughs> we got that piano over there. We haven't gotten to play it yet. And when we come back for the break, we have Dorian Johnson, Greg Thomas as we toss around the subject Christian music then and now on Music with a Mission. On a hill far God is incredible. God is with you. God is aware of your struggle. God is ready to forgive. God is powerful. God is your friend. God is a good listener. God is for you. God is willing to God help. is and always will God be. God is able to God protect. Is God good. is power to change. God is, God is Jesus. God is here. God now. is the one who loves you. God is merciful. God is the husband to the widow. God is the one with your hands. God is there when no one else is. TSC Music Radio. Where God is. This is Carter Conlon from Times Square Church in New York City. In the book of Romans in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul writes these incredible words. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Now, I don't know today what you've been separated from. Perhaps it's a relationship. Maybe it's just a lifelong dream that seems to have slipped through your fingers. But there is one thing that I learned in my youth that I'm so thankful for, and that's that I can't be separated from the love of God for me through Jesus Christ. I'm so thankful that at a young age I learned to pray. It is time for everyone to pray. To find a prayer meeting in your area, visit nycprayer.org. When sorrows like TSC Music Radio's Music with a Mission. I'm Derek Davis, and we are back having a great conversation 
about Christian music then and now with my brother, Dorian Johnson, who is surviving quite well. <laughs> he's, a, he's a survivor. And uh, we got Greg Thomas along with us once again, riding shotgun, and he hasn't used it on me yet, so I think we're doing okay. <laughs> um, you know, another song that uh, we were talking about during the break is It Is Well. Various versions of that song. Uh, every time, every time it's played or sung, you know, it it's got to elicit some response in yeah. you. If you've got any sense of the Holy Spirit in you at all, right. it's got to elicit something. Am I right? Absolutely. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Various versions of that. Let's yeah. talk about that yeah. song. I and mean, when you look at just the history of the man that wrote that song, Horatio Spafford, he, uh, godly man, um, successful businessman in Chicago. Yeah. Um, in the great fire of Chicago in 1871, lost everything. Mm-hmm. Um, lost everything, literally everything. And then he sends his wife, daughters to England on a ship that sinks. No. Loses all of his daughters. Um, his wife is the only one that survives. Mm. And the story is told that on the ship crossing the Atlantic to go and meet his wife, who who finished the journey yeah. uh, that the captain called him up to the um, to his quarters and said right about here is where the ship that was carrying your your family sunk um, wow. and it says that he then went back down to his cabin and wrote this hymn um, and, it, and it's from second Kings actually 426 where the Shunammite woman comes to the prophet and after having lost her son um, even though it says that her soul was vexed, she yeah. said to the prophet, it is well. Ah, and he writes this hymn. I see. Okay. When peace like a river yeah. attends my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever mm-hmm. my lot, thou hast taught me to say it is well with, with my, my soul. soul. Yeah. I mean, and so when you realize just the, the magnitude of just this disaster, basically, mm-hmm. that had, had just befallen this man and the mm-hmm. fact that he was able to write this hymn that has encouraged generations of Christians. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it is, as we've said, I think in the past, someone has said that there's sort of a stamp of, of glory that God puts on, on that song. Good point. Um, and yeah. that it doesn't really matter actually, whatever denomination you're from or whatever. If you go to various denominations, you're going to find that everyone <laughs> cross denominations, cross mm-hmm. Cultural lines, um, whatever, wherever, I mean, it's, wherever right. it's sung, it, yeah. it's received well. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. exactly. I mean, and so, and we're familiar with it also here in this church because even our youth choir has done an arrangement of of this song as well. Um, and even though, um, as we were discussing earlier, um, even though it seemed like there, <laughs> it was very different in terms of the way it's usually sung. Um, it's it's a song I think that's well received in in that it has sort of a different approach attack yeah. to it as well. Okay. Um, I mean it, it's sort of a declaration and a reminder to people that it is well, <laughs> um, <laughs> right, and, right. and I think that's the response that we generally get is yeah. that it's it's like you might be sitting there in the congregation and and overwhelmed by your circumstances, but then this song comes, you're like, no, it. It is well. Right. It is well. Right. So, uh, Confirmation. Th- yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And so I think bo- in both ways that it's been done, I've, I've, our congregation at least, and even other congregations that I've, I've visited or been a part of, it's always a song that, that edifies 
edifies the body, mm-hmm. edifies the body. And there are certain songs that just work across the board. Am I right, sure, Greg? Sure, sure. Well, I grew up listening to uh, one particular song that I, that I remember, uh, and I loved both the traditional and the uh, the, the new arrangement. Uh, when I when I grew up, I was a big Hawkins fan, so I, okay. I loved Walter and Edwin Hawkins. Yeah. Man, they yeah. just put out. They were like the fathers, if you will, of well, some of the you know maybe the stepfathers of <laughs> contemporary right. Christian right. guys, right, right, right. You know, um, but uh, I remember listening to the hymn or playing the hymn. Um. Uh, the title was "God will take care of you." Oh. Be not dismayed, whatever betide. Mm-hmm, God mm-hmm. will take care of you. Mm-hmm. Beneath His wings of love abide. God will take care of you. Uh, there's several verses there. Um, and then later hearing the arrangement, the the contemporary gospel arrangement, and I, when I heard the contemporary gospel arrangement, I I never put the two together. I just knew that that lyric sounded familiar. Right. But man, the music was, was you know, what's the word? It was crazy. It was <laughs> <laughs> crazy good, crazy, crazy bad. good. It was, okay. it was okay. so, it so drew you in. And, and it was so arranged that the message wasn't lost, ah. which is what I loved about it. It, it still had a contemporary feel. Musically, it was to date. Yeah. Uh, in fact, probably, you know, ahead of its time. Uh, on a contemporary music level, uh, but the message was not lost. In fact, I, I I realized more about the message of that song in the contemporary version than I did the original. Interesting. I, I did because it's so ministered to me. Uh, and and you got to remember too that in a lot of the local church, especially the inner city churches, the the churches are filled with. Uh, many of them are filled with musicians who learned these songs from a previous generation. Uh-huh. They didn't learn them because they went to school to study them. They didn't learn them because they even read music. Right. Because most of them didn't. Right. They heard these songs in the church over the years. That's how I learned them. Okay. I heard them in the church over the years. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know many musicians at that time who even played them the way they were written in the book. And when I heard the way they were written in the book, it's like, we don't really play it that way. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. we sing it close, but we don't play it that way. And, then we, and so the melodies have evolved a little bit. I see. The, 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 ma- the majority of the, mes- um, the melodies are there, but no for note, they're not always the same. I see. Uh, and that's just another, that's a sidebar. <laughs> <laughs> but Christian you know, musicians have had to change with the times in order to be more effective, No. Uh, I think they have had to change with the times to be more effective, but I think in some cases they had no choice mm. um, because a lot of them, like I said, did not study this stuff. They didn't go to school for it. There's no gospel music school. Right. You don't train to do this stuff. Right. You just you grow up doing it. You learn to do it. You, mm-hmm. And today it's easy to learn it because you can go on YouTube and just find somebody <laughs> else doing it yeah. and just mimic that. Sure. You know, um, but but let me, let me give yeah, an example. Sh- sure. This is how... Uh, I grew up listening to God will take care of me. It's how I learned it. Um, and this is as close to the hymn as you can, you're going to be able to get without playing the hymn. Now, i got to tell you, i got to be honest with you, the, the hymn, the way the hymns were played and written is the way they were played and written. <laughs> right, right. You know what I mean? That it's, it was very basic. There was no real color to chords and so diminished chords and stuff that we use today, forget it. They just were not used. Everything was majors and minors, and that was pretty much the end of okay. it. Um, today, we, we color it just a little bit. So I'm going to give it just a little bit of color just to make it worth sitting through. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but we used to sing it this way. Be not dismayed, whatever you time. 
God will take care of you. Beneath his wings of love abide, God will take care of you. The chorus was, God will take care of you through every day along the Was the same pretty, pretty much the same right down the line. Right. Sure. And I think somewhere along the way, somebody started to modulate. Maybe they said, "Hey, let's do the next version." Okay. The keys. okay. Add a little color to it, right, and then somewhere right. along the way, somebody who didn't read the music just started to improvise a little bit, and so it, you know, and so it evolved into this contemporary gospel thing. And so, but Walter and Edwin did something very unusual with that song, and this is what it sounds like.
with a mission and God will take care of you straight out of a live worship service here at Times Square Church. And we heard the then version by our very own Greg Thomas on the piano. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And you were saying there's a story behind that song, too. Yeah, most of the hymns have one. This one was written by uh, Stillman Martin uh, and his wife. I think her name was Sevilla Martin. Uh, Stillman was a was a preacher. He was on his way to uh, to preach at a Bible school, and uh, his wife was to accompany him. Yeah. She got sick just before the trip and uh, couldn't make the trip. Decided to stay home, and he was torn whether or not he should go or whether he should stay and take care of his sick wife. Because of course, these trips were these were journeys. You know, you'd be away for you know five, six, seven days at a time. Yeah, and so this was a journey for him, and. Um, uh, he contemplated whether or not he he should go or not, uh, and his young son uh, came into the room. And I'm paraphrasing the story, but the, but his young son said to him, uh, uh, "Dad, don't you think if God called you to preach here, that He's able to take care of Mom while you're away?" Mm. And it sparked something in him. Obviously, it, it led him to go. Mm-hmm. He did go to the service and mm-hmm. preach, mm-hmm. and and the glory of God fell. You know, I mean, but powerful service, yeah. yeah. And but while he was away, his wife improved like quickly, like in a matter of twenty four hours, mm-hmm. and she began to pen uh, these words. And of course, he came and added uh, added his pen to it. But he's primarily responsible for the music. He was also a writer, a, a composer, so he composed the music. But it was sparked by a child. Mm. Uh, you know, don't you think that yeah. the same God who told you to go preach? is able to take care of mom while you're away. And the revelation came, hey, God will take care of you. He will take care of you. You know, there's a scripture um, that I was looking at, uh, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Mm -hmm. Uh, Actually, I wrote it down somewhere. Actually, it's 1 Corinthians chapter 10, 13. And uh, and we're all familiar with it. Uh, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that which ye are able, but will with all temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll take care of you. <laughs> Let's do another tune from Live Worship 3 on our way out. It's always good talking to you, Dorian Johnson. It's always good to be here with you, Derek. Yeah, <laughs> and you actually, it actually, you actually meant it that time. Huh? <laughs> I always mean it. <laughs> and, 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 and Greg Thomas uh, along with us once again. Uh, Great to have you too, Greg. Take joy, my king, and what you hear, and let it be a sweet sound in your ear. We sincerely hope and pray that this podcast is a sweet sound in your ear. By the way, we do want to hear what you think about music with a mission. We want your tips, hints, questions, and suggestions. Email your comments to music at timesquarechurch.org or check out TSC Music on Facebook and Twitter. And of course, visit the website www.tscnyc.org slash music. Portions of music in this podcast provided by TSC Music, produced by the director of TSC Music, Greg Thomas, mixed and engineered by Harry Vaughn, and special administrative assistance from Jessica Carrasco. Remember, if ever we put the messenger before the message, we have failed to present an unblemished gospel. I'm Derek Davis. Join us next time on Music with a Mission.